Hi, and welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I'm your host, Jen Milius, and I'm so glad that you're here. So before we get into the show, I want to invite you to go to jennifermilius.com forward slash start and get my top 10 tips to shine as a podcast guest. If you've been thinking about getting on podcasts or honing your skills, let this tip sheet get you started in the right direction. And now let me welcome back one of our previous guests, Barbara Connery. Barbara Connery is the USA Today bestselling author of Nowhere Near Goodbye, her debut published on August 4th, 2020 by Red Adept Publishing. Liza Flessing represents her at the Liza Royce Agency. Her sophomore novel, My Secret to Keep, released on August 23rd, 2022. Barbara is an active member of the Women's Fiction Writers Association, Women's National Book Association, and Author Talk Network. She also moderates the online book club for the Facebook group, Bookish Road Trip. Let's dive into the pond and welcome back, Barbara. Welcome to the Tough Fish Show. I am so excited to bring to you Barbara Connery. Barbara, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me, Jennifer. I am thrilled to be here. I am so glad you are. And since we talked last, like the last conversation we had really was about mindset and such for being an author. And you had had a debut book come out. So what has happened since then? Since then, I have published another book, um, My Secret to Keep. That came out in August of 22. And I am almost done with my third book, which will be going to my agent shortly. So I've been busy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Nowhere Near Goodbye was is book one. Yes. So, so now is book two uh, part of a trilogy or is it a standalone? Uh, book two is actually the prequel to Nowhere Near Goodbye. Nice. And that don't think we talked about this um, before, but when I signed a contract for Nowhere Near Goodbye, my editor literally threw away half of my manuscript and said, we have to do all of this over. And I had all of this material and I was like hyperventilating. <laughs> um, I did get it done, but I saved all of this material and in the rewriting of Nowhere Near Goodbye, I had expanded on a character, Miss Maggie, and she just was, I fell in love with her and I thought, I need to write her story. So her story actually comes before Nowhere Near Goodbye, the time frame, and it basically tells the story of how Miss Maggie, who was an elderly person in Nowhere Near Goodbye, it tells a story from when she was a teenager to how she became involved with Emma, who was the main character in Nowhere Near Goodbye, and how she became her, her, her person, her person that she could relate to and confide in. She was the elderly friend of the doctor, Emma, and it just turned out to be a beautiful story. I just fell in love with it. I loved it. And my... Publisher loved it. My agent loved it. Everybody loved it. So it came out in August and it's been doing really, really well. Both books still are doing well, which amazes me, especially the first one. But 
because it's a prequel, they kind of like it's it's picking up the back audience of, oh, I didn't read that book, but they actually are both standalones. So you could read one and not the other, but I find most people, if they haven't read Nowhere Near Goodbye, they go back and then read it. And it's just been a wonderful experience. I've been very blessed. You know, I love how you talk about that, where you're showing, you know, you had a main character who was elderly, and then you're showing her in her youth, like kind of what helped to shape and 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 transform her so that when you meet her again, yes, she's at a later point in her life, but you really have a, a, another sense of her too. There's that appreciation just as, I mean, you know, when I was growing up and spending time with my grandparents, my mom's mom in particular, I was really, really close with. And I loved listening to her stories, like when she was a child, what did she do? Or what did she do as a teenager or as a young person? And and what did she see? Because, you know, it was really neat to see her through those type of eyes, because all I've ever known was that she was my grandmother, but she had a life before that, you know? Yes. <laughs> so I and, love that you showed that. Yes. And it's amazing because Miss Maggie was the teller of stories. So she would tell stories to the young Emma. And if you remember the young Kate, who was the child who died in Nowhere Near Goodbye. And so she, you know, she said, if we don't keep telling stories, they'll be forgotten. And I just kind of felt that was really important to note because I, I find it to be really true. You know, but I think that's true not just as a writer, but as a, as a person, because I mean, you're also showing that, you know, that love of telling a story when it, there really is no age to that. There is no age limit to that. You know, exactly. I, like Nat King Cole's song was that uh, you're a child from one to 92. Well, we got a lot of runtime. If that's the, if that's truly the math of being a kid, I, I I'm good. I'm really good yeah. at finally becoming an adult at maybe 93 or something. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, really, people who have some years behind them are a wealth of stories. And we need to listen to them, whether they're older than us or sometimes they're younger than us and they've still lived a life. Everyone's life is different. Everyone has their own stories. And they're all interesting, I think. I think they're all they're all worth listening to. So I know that you pursued writing as you know post a corporate life in a in a retired life, if you will. Would you talk about what that has was like? We're really just deciding to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to pursue something completely different that I've never done. And it's not just that you decided to write a book; you also started a business. So a second act if you will. Would you talk about that? Well, what's funny is I, and this is so not me, but what's funny is I never thought I couldn't do it. Now I'm the person who never drew outside the box. I, I colored inside the lines. I mean, I followed the rules. I, I did, I just, you know, anything that came along I didn't rush out for it. It had to come and grab me. But for years, 
I knew that when I retired, I was going to start writing. And literally my last, I can't even remember what the year was, but it was New Year's Eve was the last day I worked and New Year's Day is the day I started writing. So <laughs> I didn't even take a holiday break. And I just knew, I felt like, I, I felt like I'd waited so long that I couldn't waste another moment. And I never doubted, and trust me, I did so many things wrong. I mean, I, I, I am I am a wonderful example of everything you should not do. And somehow it still worked out. And I attribute it, I attribute it to just good fortune. I attribute it to totally to luck. I attribute it to being blessed. I do, and I'm and I'm not even that kind of person. I'm not the kind of person that says, Oh, I'm so blessed. But I am. <laughs> so, so one of the things you just mentioned was basically you feel like you did a lot of things wrong in a sense that maybe not knowing all the right steps or knowing or knowing enough and then trying it and then realizing there was rework or having to redo something or start something from a whole nother angle. But what did you learn from book one to book two that might help a writer who is debating if they want to if they're ready to do another book, if they're scared, like, can they measure up to book two or just even, you know, uh, they haven't uh, finished book one and they need some tips. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know how encouraging this will be, but it should be. First of all, writing is hard. Writing is really hard. And I think every author goes into it thinking the second book will be easier. I don't think it is. I think at least from my perspective, what has happened is the more I learn, the harder it gets. When I didn't know anything, I just wrote. I had to throw that all away once I learned things. But the more I learn, the harder it is because you are constantly thinking, no, you know, I, I'm that, that's not you can't do it that way. You know, you can't. You, you just can't like lay it out there flat out. You've got to show it rather than tell it, which, you know, every author hears that till they're ready to scream. <laughs> and it's the same thing with book three. I've learned so much between writing book one, which I had no knowledge of how to write a book. I learned so much in book one. I took that into book two learned so much more and I took that into book three and learned so much more for, for example even I'm, I'm going to say little things but it's not so little my first two books were written in first person which I think is almost very common for new authors to start out and and there's a lot of controversy about what writers like to write in, what point of view do they like to write in, first person, third person, almost and nobody writes in second person. So I wrote my first two books in first person. And my third book, the way it came to me in my head, I had to write it in third person. Had I ever written one sentence in third person? No, I did not. But I learned and 
I enjoyed it very much. There are some limitations, but then there are some freedoms. So it depends on what you want to give give up. And some readers don't like to read first person. A lot of readers do. A lot of readers like third person. And you, you have to forget all of that. You have to forget everything except what you want to do. That's the other thing I learned. Write the book you want to write. If you worry about what's popular now, what's selling now, that's I don't even think of that. I don't even think about that. I think about what is it I want to write. And that's how I operate. And, and then I just kind of hope there's somebody out there who wants to read it because the topics change. They change and they don't change. If you know what I mean, I mean, publishing is, is notorious for, we want something different, but we want it the same. We want it something different, but we want it just like Jody Picot. Oh, sure. You know, why not? Why not write just like Jody Picot? As if we could. But the most, my two most important rules for myself are write what you want to write and read as much as you can. Um, I was listening to an interview where uh, an author was both an author and she had a publishing or an editorial business, which was fascinating because when she was an editor, she was literally one person. And when she was an author, she said she hated the editor, you know, and it's the same person. But she said, the most important thing you can do as a writer is read. And it's so true. And I've discovered that it takes me at least twice as long to read a book because I'm studying it as I'm reading it, you know, and it's just, it is a fascinating business. It can be demoralizing. It can be the highs are so high and the lows are really low. And I think the only people that belong in this business are the people who really want to write. And I think most of the people, I think the ones that stick around are those people that they want, they want to write and they don't think about, sure, publishing is awesome, but it's also incredibly stressful. But it's the writing that keeps me every single day of the week at my laptop writing. It's it's the writing that does it for me. When you do run into frustrations, what helps? What helps is talking to other authors, knowing that I'm not alone, and continuing to write. Um, I only one time, I, I learned a very very big and very hard lesson with Nowhere Near Goodbye, which was the debut. I was so excited when the book was getting reviews that I started reading them. And one of them was just, it crushed my heart. I, I literally felt like I could not write. And I, and I felt that way for a full 24 hours. And I talked to somebody about that and they said, 24 hours? It's like, they've, like, they know people who have gone months and not been able to write, you know? Nope, it was 24 hours. And then I just thought, and that's when I stopped reading reviews. It's like, I, I just thought, I, I'm, I'm not really writing for them, I'm writing for me. If they love my book, that's 
the best gift I can ever get. But I can't write for somebody else. I have to write for me. And that's what keeps me going. So let's talk a little bit about the the support of others that you were saying, because what I'm hearing is, you know, not just creating that network and creating those relationships, but there's different ways that you can go about that. I know that you use volunteering as a way to help create relationships, to foster your skill sets in with your with your writing, with giving feedback and such. Would you talk a bit about that? Like how'd you get into it and how it's helped you? It almost was like it was very organic for me. I mean, I didn't I didn't think like, how can I make people like me? Or how can how can I, you know, I didn't think that way. I just thought, honestly, and and this is just not me, but this is how I thought. I thought I've really been fortunate, and I have. When I say I did everything wrong, I literally did everything wrong. I only submitted to one publisher, one publisher. I waited four months for them to tell me yes. And I don't know what it would have done if they just said no. I didn't didn't even consider an agent. I have an agent because she came to me and she said, listen, I'd really like to represent you. So I looked at, because I felt like I was really blessed, I looked at what could I do? And so I I joined a couple of organizations, um, writing organizations, and I do specific tasks. Women's Fiction Writers Association is, is my go-to. I just can't talk about them enough. And I have a really bad habit of not being able to say no to them when they ask me to do one more thing. So I'm doing one more thing and then one more thing and then one more thing. And I still keep saying yes. One of these days I'm going to say no and they'll be shocked. So will I. Now, here's an example of author friends that I have met um, through the Women's Fiction Writers Association. And some of them I've met in person, some of them only online. And um, I was at the end of writing book three and I needed to send it out to beta readers. In my mind, the best beta reader is a reader that's also a writer. That's not the way they say it should be. They say it should be really just readers. But to me, that doesn't make sense. It's like I want somebody who knows what it should be besides what is just this is wrong. You know, I want somebody to say, why don't you try this? I didn't even ask one author to be a beta reader. They came to me when I said I was ready to start looking and and they would can I, I will read for you. I will I will do this. And it's a real time commitment. I had six beta readers for my third book. They were phenomenal. They were, and some of them not only are readers and authors, but they're also editors. And I and I said, don't look at this as an editing thing, because they have an editing business. Just do it as a reader. But they still, oh no, here, like you know, you need a little something here. They were just so good, and so it's that kind of thing that has really promoted me without my even realizing that it was it was helpful to me in ways that I wasn't expecting. I do read I I do read a lot of published books for blurbs and reviews 
And I, I've never said no to anybody. And I, it's, it's a real trust for an author to give you their book and say, would you be willing to read and, and, and blurb this book? And it's a hard question to ask. And again, I've had to ask very few people because most people will say, I'd be, I'd love to read and, and blurb your book for you. Okay. That's, you know, it's like, it's a wonderful thing. So then how do you turn that around to help other people? Well, as I said, I do the reading and the blurbing for a lot of books. Sometimes I volunteer. Sometimes they ask me. I now run a, on a Facebook group, Bookish Road Trip. I do their book club every month. I interview an author anywhere from New York Times bestsellers to debut authors. Uh, once a month, I'm interviewing authors and promoting them. I am super big on promoting authors. If I see a book that I love from an author that has maybe sold 10 books, I mean, literally, but it's a beautiful book, I will promote the heck out of that book because it deserves to be promoted. And, you know, to me, that's the way I market. It's like, I don't market me. I market other people. And I've been very fortunate that I kind of get a rebound on that. So how would you suggest to a writer who would like to get involved into a group because they want to be contributing and they see this as a, a as like a two-way street, like they can contribute and help the group and help individuals and the group, as well as receive help and grow as well, how would you suggest they get started? Oh, well, this is what I did. I looked at groups that I was a member of and that I liked, and I would contact the head person on that group. And I would say, I love your group. I'm a member. I would love to be part of your, because almost all of these groups have admin or, you know, whatever, have additional people, not just the first, the main person. There's other people that help. Like on Bookish Road Trip, we call ourselves tour guides because it's a, it's a bookish group who also does a lot of traveling information. And it's really a fun group. And so I went to them and I said, I, I would like to be a part of this group and I would like to help. And I've done that to other groups too. And sometimes I'm told, sorry, we don't need anybody. Okay. You know, you, you always have to be willing to hear no, because you just, nobody says yes all the time. So you have to be willing to put yourself up against a no and be okay with it and, and literally be okay with it. And, and I was, I, I got no's, you know, and I went to book a short trip and I said, I really would like to be a part of this group. And they said, as a matter of fact, we have an opening. Would you be interested in running our book club? It was the last thing in the world I wanted to do. But it was an opening. And it has been so much fun, so gratifying. Um, I love it. What piece of advice would you give to someone who might be nervous to put themselves out there. They know they've gotten no's. They know that writing and publishing, they might get a no, they might get several no's, they might get negative reviews. And 
to your point, not everyone bounces back quickly, but you know, when it's in their heart and it's something that they're passionate about, it's something that they really love. Yes, they find a way and they will, but do you have a piece of advice or some encouragement to give them just so that they do keep going? I, I honestly feel that age is actually a plus and not a minus. Writers, male or female, the longer we've lived, the more stories we hold. Not only that, for the most part, we are free of obligations. We don't have young children. Um, sometimes we don't even have elderly parents. For the most part, we are only subject to our own wants and needs. So we have the time. There is, for whatever reason, there is a lot of older people who are seeing themselves in a new light and believing in themselves when maybe they never did before. And why this has happened, I, I don't know. But I know I've seen it, and every single one of those people who succeeds is a boost to the people behind them. Yeah. Every single one of them. And I find that to be really encouraging. I, I, it's like, we are not done. Grace Salmon made that quote and i love it it's in her book the eaves and and it's like a real theme and the quote is we are not done and we aren't in fact we are speaking to a group in australia next week who is just like enthralled with the fact that we're all there's three of us and i think grace is the youngest one I think I'm in the middle and Linda Rosen, she's actually the oldest. So people want to hear stories about people like me who are older. It's like we're the encouragement for people who are just beginning to think, I could do this. I want to do this. Yeah. So that's another reason why I like to talk about this kind of thing. I like to encourage people. I mean, I was the the writers retreat I was at in September. There were people many many years older than me, who, you know, were just getting started, and I was like so happy for them, and they were so encouraged by my happiness. So I think, you know, the more someone does who is in that third act or the second act or whatever act that's, you know, after the career and after the raising of the family and, and after all of that, there's, there's still hope and there's still life and there's so many stories. And those are the people that have them. I love that. Barbara, where can people connect with you? Where can they get your books? Where can they stay connected to find out more when book three comes? Okay, well, my website is barbaraconryauthor.com and my books are sold 
any place that you want to buy books online and in some local bookstores, but really any bookseller online, you can find my books either electronically or paperback, um, audio books, um, they're there. Awesome. Thank you so, so much for this conversation. I'm so glad you were here. Thanks again for listening today. I'm so glad you were here. I'd love to hear what resonated with you from this episode. So connect with me on Instagram at author Jennifer Milius and let me know. Your book, your message, your body of work is worth sharing. And you are the right person and the only one who can share it. Keep writing and keep putting yourself out there because the people who need to hear your message the most are waiting for you. They are waiting for you to step up to your next level of genius so they can have the impact they're meant to because you inspired them. I'll see you soon.